0: Welcome to Epiphany Fellowship's podcast, where our goal is to see people everywhere show off the glory of Christ in every area of life. We pray that you are blessed and encouraged by today's message and will allow the word of God to dwell in you richly. All right. Good. Morning, everyone. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Glad to be here this solemn assembly week. If you participated in it with us, I hope you had um, a wonderful time this week. I know I had a great time seeing everyone on Wednesday and on Thursday, and now we've broken the fast and sought the Lord about so many things. I know our our, um, focus this year uh, was freedom in different areas of life um, and trusting Christ for the freedom that he brought us in himself by coming to set the captives free. We were praying for emotional freedom, uh, for spiritual freedom, for financial freedom, uh, 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 relational freedom, all different types of freedom all throughout the week. And then on uh, Thursday, of course, because of the crazy events that happened at our nation's capital, uh, we spent some time in prayer on Thursday just about um, our impact in the community, um, national issues, and Uh, state issues and international issues in our world. And so I I pray that we would continue to keep um, everything lifted up um, as we go on. Although we are out of solemn assembly, my prayer is, is that we would keep the spirit of solemn assembly in the sense of our seeking of the Lord. And so you be encouraged and blessed as you move into this year. I got so so many thanksgivings and testimonies from people on our Zoom call. I mean, thanks for the hundreds of you all that were on there both days. And just so many great testimonies from jobs, from healings, from getting over COVID, um, from working through loss of family members and loved ones and COVID. And so it, it was a great time just talking with you and walking through so many things and getting with the family of Epiphany Fellowship. Well, we are um, back, and we are going to be doing a one-off sermon today. I wanted to focus in on something in particular I believe God wanted to say to us today. So if you don't mind, turn with me to Second Chronicles, Second Chronicles, the seventh chapter, or 16th chapter, verse seven through 10. Uh, Second Chronicles, the 16th chapter, 2 Chronicles 16, verses 7 through 10. Let's read together. It says, at that time, the seer Hanani came to King Asa, the, uh, to king, uh, Asa of Judah and said to him, because you depended on the king of Aram, and have not depended on the Lord your God, the army of the king of Aram has escaped from you. Were not the Cushites and Libyans a vast army, which many chariots, with many chariots and horsemen, when you depended on the Lord, he handed them over to you? For the eyes of the Lord roam throughout the earth to show himself strong. For those who are wholeheartedly devoted to him therefore you will have wars from now on asa was enraged with the seer and put him in prison because of his anger over this and asa mistreated some of the people at that time i would like to talk about today getting needed support from the lord getting needed support From the Lord. Father God, we thank you for your hand of mercy and for your grace. We thank you that we're yours and we thank you that we can get the necessary fortitude for whatever is needed in every single area of our life. And so, God, will you flood us with wisdom this year? as we look to you for support on what's needed to do what you've called us to do and to do what it means to take care of the everyday and to spread the glory of the kingdom everywhere. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Oh God, our strength and our redeemer in whom we trust in Jesus mighty name. We pray everybody agree with that said Amen. getting needed support from the Lord. One of the things, uh, I I know we all can use it, some support from the Lord. Somebody say support from the Lord. Uh, Y'all should be excited about this word today because I am. I'm excited because of the nature of what the word represents, but it reminds me of my early days when I first started walking with the Lord. My wife and I, my wife was kind of telling my children about it because she remember the old Eric. She remember Eric was wrestling in the world and um, and then started walking with the Lord really strongly. And she began talking about that. And I can just remember in those early years of my walk with Jesus. Having a very, very, I'd say sensitive disposition to wanting to do things right. So prayed about as much as I could. Everything in the Christian life and in my spiritual life seemed way too big for me. And so I was constantly, I was constantly before the Lord. I was constantly in the word, you know, because, because when you, when you get in that, when you're in that, well, usually you should go through that, that babe stage where you, where you're really soaking it up, you begin to grow spiritually. And then like a human adult, you begin to think that you have enough savvy to not need to engage the Lord with the same level of purity and intensity. And when that begins to happen, something begins to get lost. The, the simplicity of the faith and, and, and everything. And in, in our spiritual old age, many of us can become scholarly and knowledgeable and biblical. And guess what? Self-reliant. We, we got we got all these books. We got Bible programs. We got good. And what begins to happen is prayer thins out. Simple reading and study of the word and application of it begins to go out the window and then you begin just making decisions in life and realize that after you made some dumb decision that you didn't do one of the fundamental things that you should have done and that was seek the Lord. uh, One of the things I've, I've heard Michael Jordan say uh, Michael Jordan said, people were talking about all of this and his skill and all of this he's able to do. And he, they said, what makes it? He says, I've mastered the fundamentals. And one of the things with being a believer and getting support with the Lord, you have to be committed to staying functional in the fundamentals. You never, the fundamentals don't mean elementary, elementary ideas that you grow beyond. They're really things that you build upon and use in more stout ways. That means you don't stop praying, you just begin to have a deeper prayer life. That doesn't mean that you stop reading, that just means you have a more expansive reading life. That doesn't mean you stop studying, it just means you have a more expansive study life, if you will. And it doesn't mean that you stop seeking the Lord It means that you have a more stout disposition in seeking the Lord and you have wisdom of experience of what God's ways are like so that you can know what's a dumb decision and what's a good one. (laughs) And so here in this passage, you could pretty much count on books like 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel, 1 Kings and 2 Kings these are books in 1 Chronicles, 2 Chronicles. You can pretty much bank on the fact that there is a redemptive leadership trajectory that's going on in these books. And you see that the direction of the leadership is an expression of the disposition and direction of God's people. And so as, as you begin to go through and you begin to see the split of the kingdom post-Solomon, because the kingdom was split after him and after his son Rehoboam, technically. Um, you begin to see the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. The northern kingdom, Israel, the northern tribes make their way into the Sumerian region. And of course, uh, the, North, the, the southern tribes begin to make their bedrock in the Judean region and of course, Jerusalem. So in light of that, you begin to see that the, the 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 Israelite kings are absolutely wicked. <laughs> Those castles wilding. I mean, flat foot wilding out. <clears throat> you had a godly line of kings in Judah, yet you had struggle. And, and, and with that struggle, you are having one of the major things that you see. That's a reason whether or not a king failed or succeeded was their commitment to to knowing and seeking God. at, At the fundamental place of the height of their kingliness, their decisions based on their willingness to make sure that what they were doing was or was not the will of God. Family of God, is your life in a place where you're constantly meticulous about what is God's will and what's not God's will let me tell you something it it, it, it can be life or death for you in your spiritual life in your trajectory things that God wants to do and in your direction that can that can just be a simple prayer away some of your greatest mistakes of you not doing them is just a prayer away some of the best opportunities to open up and doors to open for you is just a prayer away but you have have to decide that you're not as technically and spiritually savvy as you can be on your own, but the best technology in your life, life is not your tablet. The best technology in your life is not the apps on your phone. The best technology in your life is being able to get on your knees and pray to God. And so, uh, uh, as I come here, you come, to, you come to a king, you come to a, a godly king, a pretty godly king. And like I said in in, in the introduction, you know, he started off right. And you'll see here and you'll see where he ends in his life and how easy it is to start off your walk with God with purity. And then later on, your life turns from purity to tragedy. And so we have here King Asa. Son of Abijah and father of Jehoshaphat, Jehoshaphat. And he, he, he's a great king and you will see so many things about him. Matter of fact, verse one, uh, 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 um, uh, verse two of chapter 14 says Asa did what was right, good and right. In the sight of the Lord, he removed the pagan altars and the high places. He shattered their sacred pillars and chopped down their Asherah poles. He told the people of Judah to seek the Lord God of their ancestors and to carry out the instruction and commands. He also removed the high places and the shrines from all the cities of Judah and the kingdom experienced peace under him you see him as an early king, wanting to do things God's way. Usually when you first get something, when you fresh in something, you put your, all your might into it. <laughs> but Lord, don't let yourself get settled. And so what you'll begin to see is we're gonna talk about the latter quarter of his life, the latter 10 of his life, the latter five of his life, in verses seven through 10. And we'll jump back in the earlier part. But listen, if you're gonna get needed support from God, number one, hear me today, family. You have to know this. God is passionate about supporting those who trust him. You missed the shout moment. <laughs> God is passionate about supporting those who trust him. As we look in this passage, we see that so much has transpired that I'll catch you up on as we go in the verses. Look at verse seven. It says, at that time, the seer, Hannah and I, came to King Asa of Judah and said to him, because you depended on the king of Aram and not depended on the Lord your God, the army of Aram, King Aram has escaped you. you know what I like about this verse? The thing, I'm gonna be honest with you. The thing I like most about this verse is that Hananiah wasn't afraid to tell Asa the truth. Not the truth. The truth. See, you don't need people to tell you the truth. You need people to tell you the truth. In other words, Asa was a uh, Hananai was a good prophet. I, I, I got to parenthetically pause here. This I got to pause here because earlier in 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 in, in here um, in the book. You'll see after that peace came. You'll see that Han and I came to him and spoke to him earlier during the narrative of uh, the life of uh, Asa and promised him great things and affirmed so many great things with him and all the good decisions that he was making. Han and I came around and prophesied and loved on him and, 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 and prophesied good stuff. But now Han and I was able to come and tell him off. You know what I like about that is Asa. No matter how crazy he ended up being, had people in his life that when he was living and doing what God wanted him to do, would tell him the truth. Help me today. But then when he was losing his mind and not doing the right thing, he had somebody in his life that would prophetically, not pathetically, but prophetically come in his life and jam him up. Let me tell you some truth, family. Many of you need balanced people in your life. If you're going to follow God and you're going to be on a godly trajectory, you can't just have cheerleaders in your corner. If you're going to get God's support and you're going to say, you got to have, if most of the voices around you are saying thumbs up and they're godly voices, if you got, if most of the voices around you are going thumbs down, they're saying nah, you might want to check what you're doing. I, I like to have a good amount of people, not tons, because the Bible says a man of many friends comes to ruin. You can't have too many voices. But the Bible also says, uh, 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 in abundance of counsels, there's victory. In other words, I need just enough, not too many, because you can't have a board of 30 people. It's too many decisions. You need a board of about five to ten, uh, five to eight. And, and what you need in your life is a board of directors in your life to help you to sense God's direction. Even if you have your personal relationship with God, and you got your own time and about you need some godly voices in your life that tell you when you are a fool and a nitwit and tell you when you killing it and you a champion you need both sides of the equation you don't need uh, people in your life that are yes men and yes women because they just want to be in a relationship with you and want to be fair you need people in your life that'll tell you off ain't nobody gonna talk back right there I'm by myself but I love the fact that King Asa was the king of and he was, and he had somebody that didn't care where he had elevated to. I know we like to use that elevation language in the church. He didn't care where he elevated to, where he was willing to jam him up. If you're gonna, if you're gonna see God's will at its best in your life, you have to have people that don't care how much platform you got, how much bread you got, how much opportunity you got, how much followers you got, but they're willing to say, I don't care where you are in your life. Listen, I'm gonna jam your little crazy big head behind up. That's what you need. Now that was for free. He said, because you depended on the king of Aram and have not depended on the Lord. what Can, can, you, ima- like, can you imagine God telling you you didn't depend on him and that you depended on someone, something, and someplace else? God tell you, you didn't bank on me, you banked on something else. He said, and, and, and this is the, the hard part about what Hanan I told him, it says in the uh, the king of Aram has escaped you. Now you have to understand this. What happened was, and we'll see later, is that he had a war that he went with the uh, with the Cushites and the Libyans. We'll talk about that later. He depended uh, depended on the Lord. Later on, he had an issue with Basha uh, of a uh, uh, Bashan of Israel. Right when he had issues with him. Instead of going seeking the Lord, because he sought the Lord about the Cushites, but he didn't seek the Lord about the Israelites. What ended up happen, happening is in his later age and his relational savvy, he began to do some things that he shouldn't have done. What he ended up doing in the earlier part of this chapter from verse one to six is he, he, he had enough money now. See, he had enough money to pay off the king of Aram to hire him as a mercenary to help him with Israel. Mm. In other words, (laughs) in in, in Asa's earlier existence, when he didn't have as much, when he didn't have as much clout and much stuff, and he needed God more. He was willing to go after God because he had nothing else but God. But when he got more stuff and when he got rich and when he got clout and when he got a booty from uh, 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 his war, the, the resources where he went, guess what ended up happening? Instead of trusting in the Lord, he trusted in the provision that he'd become comfortable with. Some of us can't handle getting more stuff because we will not pray as much as we pray. We wouldn't seek the God of heaven as much as we sought the Lord. And so that's what he does. He... He does it, he said, man, I don't need God in this. I can just pay for it. Man, be careful when you can buy what only God can give. Be very careful when, you know what, you know, You know one of the things I want to be careful of, and sometimes I want to, does God not give me stuff so that I can remain dependent on him because he know he can't trust me to trust him when I have more like I don't have it. Mm, 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 mm. See, sometimes... <clears throat> In order to walk with God, you got to act like you don't have what you actually have because God is the more of what you have. Y'all not going to hear me today because some of you want your come up ministry and, and and everything like that. But he said, you've depended, you've leaned on. uh The, the, the word could be translated, support oneself. You supported yourself, God said. Woo! Be very careful. I'm not talking about you know, being viable and getting a job. Happens. No, it's something about you did it all on your own. I don't want God to ever say anything in my life was done on my own. And as he began to say that the king of Aram, he said, he basically said, you've escaped Aram. Aram has escaped you. Now, what's interesting is, is Baash, rather, king of Israel, had blocked Asa off (coughs) on a main trade route from coming and going. He got the king of Aram to help him out. But what's interesting, let me tell you something. It's very important. No matter who blocks you, they can never block God. Y'all not going to hear me. In other words, yes, Baash blocked him from some stuff. But who can block you if God is for you? If if God is for you, God can put an offensive line in front of you spiritually that'll block the blockade out of your way so that you can get to where God wants. Nobody can stop God, and even if the block is there, God can send helicopters over and planes and drop some stuff to you and somebody blocks you off. Listen, nobody can, don't ever think that what somebody did against you can block God from blessing you around them. If you don't know that, you don't know God yet. You don't know him yet, the way he works. That's why the old folks used to call him a way maker. now he's, he's so wide you can't get around him. He's so high you can't get over. He's so low. you. In other words, he, 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 he's, he's massive in his omnipresence and his omnipotence. I, I like all that kind of carrying on. But he said, interestingly enough, this is the key statement in this phrase. He said, the king of Aram has escaped you. Why would he say that? Technically, Aram would have been an enemy that he would have had to fight. In other words, in trying to get himself forward in one area, he actually cut himself off in two. Because God would have took care of Israel and God would have took care of Aram. But he chose to use Aram to take care of Israel and he lost both when he could have went to the Lord and got both. But again, that's that's the way some of us think. But look, then what God will do... Is when you make a bad decision, (laughs) he loves you enough to remind you of some stuff that he's done for you. Look at verse eight. He says, were not the Cushites and Libyans a vast number, a vast army with many chariots and horsemen? This is amazing. He says, when you depended on the Lord, he handed them over to you. Now, that might not seem much to you. Now, Israel isn't as large numerically as the Cushites and the Libyans, right? But look, when you turn over, and you don't have to necessarily turn in, in verse eight of chapter 14, through the end of the chapter, it shows you the ordeal. Israel is, had 500, listen, Judah rather, Asa had 580,000 soldiers, 580,000. Cush by itself had 1 million. So there was a 420,000 person difference, meaning he was going to take that fat ale. But him knowing that there was a gap between, listen, what he can do on his own and what his soldiers can do and what they would overwhelm them with he was willing to seek the face of the Lord and one of the things that I like about this is it said you depended on the Lord and when he depended on the Lord you had to understand the Kushites were some bad boys Kushites these are North African dark skinned people they were called Abyssinians and Ethiopians they were some bad boys as a matter of fact the Egyptians and the Greeks and the Romans hired them as mercenaries when they would go to war in order to be, matter of fact, Persia would hire them as well. Neo-Persian Babylon would hire them because Ethiopian or Kushite Nubian warriors, listen, they could, their arrows were so accurate and they could literally black out a sunlit sky with the amount of arrows that they could shoot up in the air on an army. So you got to understand the level of fear. In other words, he knew that he couldn't beat this army alone. And so the Bible says he depended on the Lord. I like the way it says in verse 11 of chapter 4. It says, and Asa cried to the Lord his God, Lord, there is no one beside you to help the mighty and uh, choose and, and, and those who Without strength, help us, Lord, our God, for we depend on you, and in your name we have come against this large army. In other words, he got out there and realized he couldn't hang. (laughs) Lord, you are our God. Do not let a mere mortal hinder you. He saw what he was doing as spiritual. And it says, so the Lord routed the Cushites before Asa and before Judah, and the Cushites fled So what we see is he invoked a political policy that was instituted by Solomon. Y'all didn't know this was policy. It was Israelite policy that you seek the Lord in war. Where did I find that? out at? Second Chronicles 6, 32. It says, when your people go out to fight against their enemies, wherever you send them and they pray. This is policy. This is is good policy. This is an executive order that he's asking of the Lord. Y'all don't hear me today. Uh, And they they pray to you in the direction of this city you have chosen and the temple that you have built for your name. May you hear their prayer and petition in heaven and uphold their case. That's good policy right there. (laughs) So he invoked the Solomonic policy in going to war here. Because he learned this policy from his daddy David, who always and fought to seek the Lord in every war. Solomon didn't have really any wars, but now the sons of Solomon have a bunch of wars. And now he, we have here Ace, the son of Abijah, father of Jehoshaphat, is now invoking this edict and asking the Lord help. And the Lord God blesses the policy, he blesses the executive ask and does it. <laughs> And that's as he sought the Lord. But what is he doing? God is comparing, not seeking him, (coughs) the result of that, to seeking him. And then God, God does what he likes to do. He does something beautiful here. What he does for Asa is he gives Asa a chance to repent and he shows him his ways. Verse nine is one of my all time favorite verses in the Bible. This verse, this a part of the verse for me is a big prayer for me even this year that I'm asking the Lord for. I I, I want this verse. I want to embody this verse. And I'm praying that you would want to embody this verse in how you walk with God. Look what it says. The prophet tells him, he says, first he tells him, he said, you depended on man and not God. He said, remember when you depended on God and God came and he helped you? You Know why he did that? Verse nine, for the eyes of the Lord roam throughout the earth. Listen, to show himself strong for those who are wholeheartedly devoted to him. One of my favorite verses in the Bible. God loves to give support to people who are dependent on him. I love the way it uses the anthropomorphic language here of God having eyes even though he's non corporeal and him looking across the earth. It's, it's, it's the way in which his omniscience is always doing x-ray vision on the motives of our heart and the motion of our feet. And what I like about this reality is that God in his omnipotence and omniscience and uh, and, and omnipresence uh, utilizes his omniscience as a way to check out our commitment level to him. Now, wholeheartedly God's, wholeheartedly his, it, it doesn't mean perfect. It means dependent. We'll talk about that in a second and what that means. But when you look at God's omniscience and him looking around for people, it means God knows all things that exist in actuality. Not only that, it means that God knows all variables concerning things that have not yet occurred. In other words, he knows everything actual and potential. I love that. And then it means that God knows all future events. And so that means that God knows you and God knows me. He knows everything about me. He knows how many hairs are in my head. He knows even with all the haircuts that many of us had over the years, how much hair. He can count the amount of hair that we lost and the amount of hair that we currently have on our head. How many hair follicles are on every part of our body. He knows how many split ends some of you sisters have ever had. He knows how many weaves you've had. He knows how many times you've been to the barbershop. He knows how many times you've been to the beauty salon. He knows how many times you eat. He knows how many calories that you've eaten every single day of your life. He knows how much fat you've had. He knows knows how much protein you've had. He knows how much fiber you've had. Listen, he knows every single place that you've been. He knows every type of fabric that you've ever put on your body. He knows every single thought that you know uh, that you thought and thought that you would've done. He knows what you would've done if you have went left he knows what you would have done if you would have been right he knows the full trajectory of your life on every single decision every time so when he looks at you and he's roaming he roams with intensity clarity and split point accuracy <laughs> that's our God and so God is passionate about dedicated people it says he looked throughout the earth in other words God ain't no respect a person when he gives support to people he looked throughout the earth He's looking for somebody, some man, some woman, some adult, some child, some black person, some white person, some Asian person, some Latino person, some Aboriginal person. He's looking for, he's, he's always on the prowl for a committed person. I love that. Your geography can't keep God from you. And he says, to show himself strong for. This is amazing. I like the way, uh, 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 Um. One translation says to give strong support to the way the hip the the, the Hebrew can be translated here is means to strengthen himself towards that person. I love that. In other words, it's God wants to impute his support towards the person and God only supports people that are wholeheartedly his. Let me see if I can make it plain. Um, One time I was having an issue with a program on my computer, a bunch of issues with programming with the computer. So I called up technical support when I called technical support They walked me through the process of fixing the problem and as they were walking me through the process of fixing the problem I could not fix the problem So they said mr. Mason if you don't mind Can you copy this link from your email? I copied this link He said put it in your browser click it there and that will give me master control of your computer And I was like, okay, I felt a little weird giving somebody that I couldn't see, control over what I could see. But when I gave them master control, they said, you've done it, Mr. Mason? I said, yes. They said, you can take your hands off the keyboard now. In other words, when I took my hands off the keyboard and gave master control over to the master technician, that person was able to from a remote location from somewhere I didn't know where they were and couldn't see but I could see the cursor help me today God moving on my screen as if someone was touching my computer but they were touching it from another location because I'd given up my control over it and gave the control over to them and they were able to fix what it took me days to try to figure out the work to and all it took was one call and through that one call I was able to to get help when I let go and let the master technician do what the master technician does. In your life, family of God, you need to let the master technician, why don't you call them up and tell them what you want, like the old song say, and, and take your hands off the wheel and let Jesus take it. Let Jesus begin in the unseen person. You can't see him, but you can see the effects of the cursor blessing and opening up doors in your life. Yeah, 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 this strong support. So some of us need all kinds of support. You know all of us need all kinds of support, family. We need, some of y'all need, <coughs> this year, <clears throat> you really need emotional support. You, you need emotional support. You need people to support you emotionally, help you to be girded up. Some of you need mentoring support. Some of you think you're smarter than you are. You're not as smart as you think you are. No matter how far along you're going, you always will need someone investing in you, in your competencies, in your character. Right. And I've been in ministry. It'll be uh, 27, 26, 27, 27 years in a few months. And I still have mentors. Some of you need assisting support. Some of the stuff that you need to get done can't get done because you don't have the necessary people types around your ministry or your business or your vision. You need uh, that type, or you need solid assisting support around you. Some of you need resourcing support. Some of you, if you were just connected to the economic, and a technical, whatever type of resources that are that are like that that you need, you, you need to be asking God for you. I'm, I want you writing this stuff down because you need to be asking God specifically for support. Remember, Asa asked, told God what was going on and asked for support for that specific area that he needed support for. <clears throat> Not only that, some of you need family support. Some of you need family support. Some of you need family around you. That's what you need. Others of you, Need intellectual support, thought people that are smarter than you. Let me tell you something. If you're going to succeed in life, you need people around you that are smarter than you. Some of you need intellectual support. Some of you need relational support, just good, solid relationships that just encourage you and challenge you through that same as community support. And some of you need seasonal support. Let me explain seasonal support. Seasonal support... Are those people that may not always be in your life, but God put them in your life for a season as a supporter? When a building is building, built, being built, is very important. You will have people that are on put up scaffolds, and these scaffolders put all of that up, and no scaffolders work on the building. But when that building becomes occupied, those scaffolds have to come down because they were in. A part of the building of that season in order to get whatever needed to get done done. And then they remove the scaffold and they go to the next project. Listen, you need to know how to have seasonal people in your life and not demonize them when they have the transition. But you being able to know that was a seasonal support. Let me celebrate them and thank them and let them move on. You got to be able to do that. See, see these are the type of support you need to ask God. Because God wants to provide support you need, but never but he never wants you to compromise his heart and mind. So look look at what it says. Look at what it says. He says, those who are wholeheartedly devoted to him. This is a compound word in the Hebrew. It's both the word wholeness and heart, shalom and the word heart. Now, what this means is God wants to support people who the idea here is to be stitched toward God's interests. Woo, that's good stuff. In other words, shalom is... A Hebrew word related to the word shalom uses the same consonants, different vowel pointings, but they're related. Shalom means to be restitched in God's things back to God's design. Shalom has a little bit of a different uh, idea. It means uh, constituting the full quality or the extent of something being completely somethings. Right. And so when you put that with heart, he's talking about every area of your heart. Being bent toward God's intent in every single area of your life. So when we talk about heart, you know in the Hebrew mind, heart means mind, emotions, will. That means being entirely God's. What is what does this look like in life? It means you're thinking that your thinking is shaped by God's way. It's God centered worldview. Emotions coming to terms with desiring what God's will is. Listen, even when it runs against something you want it. See, a part of being a wholeheartedly gods is sometimes you want one thing. The thing that that God wants is different than what you want. But because you want God, you're willing to adjust to what God wants instead of what you want. And then once you end up engaging what God wants, you begin realizing that you didn't really want what you wanted, you now want what God wants. That's called wholeheartedly his. That's not called brainwashing, that's called intimacy. <laughs> Will, the, uh, at the end of the day, having the willingness to pull the trigger on what God has called you to do. Look at our Lord Jesus. Jesus, this is how Jesus talk. John six thirty eight says, "For." I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Jesus was wholeheartedly God's because he didn't see his life as one big dream of his own. Oh God, he saw it as him marrying his desires to God's desires and living out God's desires. That doesn't mean he's a robot. It just means that what God has wired and nurtured in him to do in his life It's a part of God's system and that he must see himself ultimately as an agent and a missionary for God, not an agent of his own destiny. That's why the Bible says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own, rely on your own understanding. In all your ways, know him and he will make your path straight. The idea of trust is the word of means to lean or support, be supported by something. Heart, of course, means what we said already and that's why we can't rely on our own understanding, our own faculties, but on God's. And God will unbend our paths. Look at verse 10. I'm shutting it down. It said, Asa was enraged with the seer. Wow. Asa was enraged with Hanani because of what Asa had done it's interesting sometimes that when we're so married to doing what we want to do when God gives us a chance to repent of it we end up getting mad at God for us doing what we did wrong God wouldn't so how you gonna get mad at the messenger when you was the one wilding? like like that doesn't make sense but 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 Asa gets mad at the at the prophet, and he gets so mad at the prophet. He says he says because he said he he put him in prison. This dude was wilding, and this was supposed to have been a godly king. Godly king, he got angry. You ever get mad at somebody because they didn't tell you what you wanted to hear, and then you begin breaking relationship with them and talking bad about them and slandering them when you should just repent. You should just repent instead of instead of just running around, running your mouth, and trying to. Uh, misrepresent that person And got, listen, and it said, and Asa mistreated some of the people at the same time. See, many times you got to be careful in your life of punishing the truth tellers in your life for telling you the truth. Truth tellers in your life are a grace to God's hand on you. And you need them as a mechanism of grace That's why the Bible says, um, faithful, uh, he said, deceitful are the kisses of an enemy, but faithful are the wounds of a friend. Um, The person that's willing to tell you the truth, no matter what, means more good to you. Look at the tragedy of Asa. It says in verse 11, it says, note that these events of Asa's reign from beginning to end are written in the book of the kings of Judah and Israel. In the 39th year of his reign, Asa developed a disease in his feet and his disease became increasingly severe. Yet, even in his disease, he didn't seek the Lord, but the physicians only. Man, this is a tragedy that shouldn't, like at the end of his life, his life got harder and his heart got harder towards God. But that's why he's not and no king in the Bible is the hero except for Jesus. Because as Jesus's life got worse in the garden, he says, Lord, let this cup pass from me. He prays it three times and he says, Lord, not my will, but thy will be done. In other words, Jesus wanted to do God's will to support him, even if it was hard for him. My prayer for you, family, is that we would want to be wholeheartedly God's, get God's will and get his support and seek his support in every single area of our life. You know, that's a big phrase for us here. But whenever you try to get support or affirmation to do something that might not be the will of God, it's a faulty construction for support. But when you seek the Lord and get a word from him, that's proper support. In Seoul, Korea, there was a mall built. Beautiful mall. I mean, the mall was stunning. Absolutely beautiful, stunning mall. Can't believe how beautiful it was. Food court at the bottoms, you know, bubble drinks at the bottom, you know, the little bubble teas and all of that, and coffee places and all of these, all these different things. But what ended up happening is the guy who owned the complex got told by one of the engineers, he says, there's cracks happening everywhere. We need to shut everything down and we need to evacuate. And instead of doing what he said, he says, no, we're gonna keep it because we're making too much money. We're gonna keep it going. And what ended up happening during the course of that day is the crack went from a hairline crack to four inches and then all of a sudden the ceiling started falling and the entire place collapsed. And many people died and were injured severely that day. And when the engineers went back and looked at the building, they found out when they looked at the blueprint that the support beams weren't in the proper places. They found out that what was supposed to be the proper material put in wasn't put in. And in other words, The engineers who had the building built for the guy took shortcuts and those shortcuts got the mall looking beautiful. But in the long run, it collapsed. Let me tell you something. Seeking God will never collapse on you. Because when God, God may take longer than you want to do something. Hear me. But when he builds it, he always builds it right. He never builds anything to fall apart or to sink. I love what the song says. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. Why don't you put your confidence in seeking God's face and standing on the rock of Jesus Christ today, Father. Maybe there's someone here today that doesn't know you and hasn't placed their confidence in you, in the rock of our salvation. Lord God, I pray in the mighty name of Jesus Christ that you would help your people to stand on a rock. Maybe someone doesn't know you. If they don't know you, place their confidence in Jesus. Say, I want to place my trust in Jesus. You could say this with me, that he died on the cross for my sins and that God got him up from the grave for me. And I've gone from spiritual death to spiritual life because of my confidence in what Christ has done for me. If you prayed that prayer, you might have just you, you, you just gone from spiritual disconnection to spiritual connection. Please let us know if you've placed your confidence in Jesus in the comments. We'll shoot you our email so that we can reach out to you and follow you up. Let's get our hearts and minds ready for communion. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took The bread, he gave it to his disciples and said, this is my body, which is given for you. Let us eat together. After the Passover meal and the bitter herbs, he took the cup and said, this is my blood, blood of the new and everlasting covenant, which is shared for you and for many for the remission of sins. Let us drink together, family. Wow. Wow. I pray that this year we would experience God's support for everything in our lives that's of him. Father, touch every believer here who needs support Will you give strong support to them, but help them to have their interest stitched to yours In in Jesus name. Amen. God bless you. Take care. Hopefully see you next week. Grace and peace.